Welcome to Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tarmody, where it's all about health optimization, anti-aging, longevity, and being the very best you can be. Brought to you by lisatarmody.com. Hey everyone, Lisa Tarmody here. Today I have my good friend, Cam Calcoan. Now, Cam is uh, a speaker. He is was Speaker of the Year uh, a few years ago. He is a really um, amazing gentleman. He has cerebral palsy and he shares about his story about cerebral palsy and overcoming all the challenges of that and how he's never let it stop him doing anything that he wants, including uh, climbing Kilimanjaro um, and becoming Speaker of the Year in New Zealand. So incredible man, shows so much resilience, so much passion, so much power, uh, an attitude of I can, not I can't. And I think you're really going to be inspired after listening to Cam. Uh, before we head over to the show, thanks very much. If you can give us a rating and review for the show, that would be so, so appreciated. Uh, and follow us on YouTube. If you're listening to us on YouTube, please subscribe on there. Uh, we're also on the podcast, all good podcast platforms. We'd love you to check it out on there and share it with your friends if you like the content. Uh, really appreciate that. And if you want to support the podcast uh, for the price of a coffee or two a month, you can support me and my team to help keep this free to air. Uh, you'll get some exclusive member benefits, but really it's about supporting the show and keeping this great content coming. We've been doing it for over eight years now and we really need some support to keep it keep it coming at you. Um, so you can head over to patron.lisatarmity.com patron.lisatarmity.com and while you're there go and check out everything at lisatarmity.com all the programs, the DNA testing the health optimization coaching the hyperbaric clinic the anti-aging and, uh, and uh, longevity supplement range and much, much more corporate wellness programs, speaking, you name it, uh, we got it going on. So please check out everything over on lisatarmody.com. Now, I hope you enjoy this uh, wonderful, wonderful interview with Cam Cohen. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome back to Pushing the Limits. Today, I have my good friend, Cam Cohen. How are you, mate? Oh, so good. What a good way to start a week, Alicia. <laughs> You're so enthusiastic on a, on a, on an early winter's morning when it's like, crikey, <laughs> Monday morning to boot and you're happy and all. all I was hearing go. your voice to bring some sunshine into our life. So <laughs> it's, it's great to be here sharing a story and, uh, looking forward yeah. to it. Wow. Right, fantastic. So. Cam and I uh, are both on this, the the motivational speaker circuit. We do a lot of a lot of speaking to uh, all sorts of groups, don't we, Cam? And um, I've had the privilege of uh, sharing the stage with Cam uh, a number of times, and he has an incredible story. So I said, mate, you've got to come on the podcast and share your story, so we get a bit few more people learning about you know this awesome guy awesome. <laughs> called Cam Kilcoen. <laughs> So, Kim, tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, and and your background and, you know, how did you get here? Yeah, cool. Well, this year has been a great honour to share many platforms with you over the years and <laughs> I guess we'll get to how I got into my speaking. But uh, as your listeners will maybe be uh, becoming aware, I was born with cerebral palsy, so physical disability, which infects the way in which messages travel around my body. But, you know, what? this morning when I was getting up, I was like, how do we show an interesting thing, eh? 
And yeah. I often wonder what it would be like if I never knew I had cerebral palsy. <laughs> if no one told you. If no one told me, because in my day-to-day life, no one's telling me. You know, I get up and I live an amazing life. And I think we always have choices as to what we focus on. And so when I was born, and I remember I had a treehouse, and it was bigger, more gnarly than any other treehouse. And people would come over and look up at my treehouse and had broken windows and a rope swing and had a big slide. <laughs> and I had calipers every time on my legs and I had a walking frame. And people would say to my mum and dad, um, do you really let Cam go all the way up there? What if he falls over? Yeah. To which mum and dad would respond, but what if he makes it to the top? <laughs> Right. Wow, that's a cool kind of the environment that I grew up in, and and an environment that together we inspired. And we were sometimes when I did fall over, but for getting back up, we build resilience. And then when I got to the top, I would just dream, and I dream big, Lisa. I dream of <laughs> traveling, of entertaining, of connecting, of making people feel good, of of um. Yeah, just big dreams and and when when you when you when you were born with cerebral palsy, like what you know when your parents because you know like I think you can owe a lot to your parents, eh? Like they they instilled in you this this attitude of you you know you can do anything. Um, and and what were the doctors like with you when you were when you were young? Yeah, so um. You know, when, when COVID happened and I asked mum and dad, I said, like, what, what decisions did you make at the point where you heard I think mum with cerebral palsy? Something that there was no guidebook for, mm-hmm. something that there was no resources about this is how you do it. And, yep. and that's so often what happens when challenges come into our life, right? We mm-hmm. feel alone and we're trying to navigate stuff by ourselves. And so mum and dad said, well, we stay true to the dreams that inspired us to be a parent. So when they wanted to be a parent, they had a dream of a kid that would be active and have a good life and fast up. And then we were the doctors, right, who were saying, Cam's got cerebral palsy and this is what cerebral palsy looks like. Mm-hmm. You will struggle to walk. You will struggle to talk. And then throughout my life, Everything when I was to do with the medical system or to do with hospital was about how do we get Cam normal? (laughs) How do we get him touching his toes? And I'm like, why the heck do I need to touch my toes? (laughs) How do we get Cam talking normal? Well, this was my normal, right? And so it wasn't until I got older that I realized if they had been giving me ambitious goals, like, if you can touch your toes, you can run 100 meters faster. Mm-hmm. Then I would have been way more motivated. And gotcha. So, so you, and you wanted to understand. The, missing. Yeah, you wanted to understand the why. The why. You need a why. Yeah. You always <laughs> need a why. Yeah, we do. And need you need someone in your life who isn't going to stop until you get that why. Yep. Until you get that answer you want. And so when I'd be going to school and there was a choice, do we send Cam to the local school that focuses on not much or do we move? So mum and dad, I got to um, primary school was awesome, Lisa, you know, yep. I went to a great primary school and um, 
I did things like the egg and spoon race. You know, <laughs> Dad would put chewing gum on my egg. <laughs> and then I did a three-legged race, yeah, and Mum would come up to us and say, boys, slow and steady wins for a race. Yeah. And that was true. Every yeah. other kid fell over because they're all going out fast and they want to be number one straight away. <laughs> and so they don't think about how are we going to do it, whereas you go uh, slow and steady at something, we'd win. So my childhood was awesome. And then we went to Auckland because there was no school that suited my needs. And in terms of my needs, I don't mean in terms of having cerebral palsy, but in terms of my dreams and my aspirations. So my mum and dad packed up their family home and they moved to Auckland. You know, bought a third of a house for five times the price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was kind of the thing because, again, I'd been doing, like, physios and got to a point where I just didn't want to be going to the hospital every day. Nah, no kid wants to be – no nah. one wants to be doing that, right? And mum had discovered this thing called the Alexander Technique here in Auckland, which was, it was all about where the mind goes, the body follows. Mm -hmm. And it was just cool, man. Yeah, amazing. And what did you learn there? Well, that, that wherever your head goes, whether physically or mentally in your thinking, your body follows, right? How you hold yourself will bring you confidence. So, like, as the kid who's different, confidence is what I needed, not in order to be an extrovert, which people think I am. People go, <laughs> man, you're so extroverted, right? You must yeah. be. You're, you're on stages every other day. But, Lisa, that's a choice we make in order to create that life that we want to live. And I saw yep. other kids who were different and they'd be getting a hard time. And yeah. I'd wonder why they were getting a hard time. And I'd be like, because no one knows your story. Yeah. No one knows why he or she looks like that. No one knows why he or she walks like that. And so if I can step outside my comfort zone and into the comfort zones of other people by saying, hey, this is why I walk like I do. This is why I talk like I do. But uh, you know what? This is my dream. I want to play cricket. I want to do cross country. Wow. And so when I do cricket and I'd walk up to the kids who had no idea who I was, which was the competing team, mm-hmm. and I'd say, look, I can't bowl from the whole whip of the cricket pitch because I'm not as strong as you are. So straight away these kids feel kind of good, like I've made them feel good. Yep. But if I can bowl from halfway, we can have a really good game. Oh, that's awesome. That's all people wanted to know. So you, you, you went, instead of being shy and introverted, you went the opposite way and uh, uh, went, went out of your comfort zone to talk to other kids and be and to explain to them yeah. the difficulties, some of the difficulties that you had. And, and, and did that sort of empower the kids? Because, you know, like when you, you you don't know whether to to ask someone if they need help or you don't know what that person often needs when they have something going on. Um, What is the best way to interact with someone who has cerebral palsy or uh, any sort of a a problem? Yeah. I think that thing of just trying to 
see the person for who they are and who mm-hmm. they want to be yep. and being, you know, like not, we, we're growing up in a pretty PC world or we're living yeah. in a pretty PC world. Yeah, too PC for my life. I was speaking at a, <laughs> a um, I got a message, you know when you get a message from someone you've spoken to mm-hmm. after your speech and they say stuff, and they started saying, it was a big construction company here in mm-hmm. New Zealand, and uh, he said, Cam, there was a guy in our audience who had had an injury to his arm and he couldn't use his arm properly anymore. Mm-hmm. After you spoke with us, and we weren't expecting this, but the whole way in which we engaged with that guy became so much easier. Mm-hmm. Why? Because, no, and they do things like that, call them, oh, man, it must have cost you an arm and a leg to get me <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And knowing that they could do that and they could get away with that because it wasn't just a throwaway comment. It's about building a community around and building a culture. And when you create a culture around someone mm-hmm. or organisation where you can just say what you want to say for the ambition of together we are stronger, yeah, and it's the intent, isn't it? It's the intent behind the comment, which is to make a laugh and to just have fun, yeah, and and and, and be inclusive in that way. You know, yeah. even though to the outsider that might look like, well, that was a bit rude. You know, yeah, but, but do you know what, Alicia? It's a lot more better than no one saying anything to yeah. you, right? Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. where you see those moments in the supermarket where. Some a mum or a dad's like, oh, don't look at that person or don't say that. This isn't the world we live in, right? And yeah. my challenges might be more obvious than some other people's challenges, but ultimately everyone's got challenges going on. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every, <laughs> and I've seen some of the most able-bodied people living the most disabled lives, and I've seen people with no arms and no legs climbing mountains, playing drums, and myself, you know, those doctors who said my biggest challenges would be the way I walk and the way I talk, you know, for reframing that, my walking got me competing all over the world as an athlete, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, and then becoming a speaker, that's fucking all over the world, all over the world, winning awards and... You know exactly. Yeah, you have been speaker of the year. Like, yeah, climbing Kilimanjaro is no mean feat. No mean feat. You've done awesome things with your athletic career. Won gold medals. You know, you've done. Yeah. And so instead of, and this is what I love, and this is where I see a little parallel to this to my story with my mum. Right? Is um, you know, everything that was meant to stop you in your tracks and make you're never going to do anything. Cause we were told that with mom, when she had the brain injury uh, initially with the aneurysm and stroke that she's never going to do anything again. And okay. She was 74 or not, not a child, not a baby. Yeah. So, and they were like, well, at her age and uh, you know, there's, there's these limitations that people put on you all the time because you're a certain age, you're a certain color, you're a certain size, you're a certain, yeah. whatever the heck, you know, they mm-hmm. decide is your limitation. And then when you go like, hang on, I'm not accepting that limitation. You could be right or you could be wrong, but I'm going to go and find out for myself and I'm going to, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to push hard and I'm going to find somebody who can tell me the next step forward. Yeah. And, and with mum, it was like, you know, like instead of 
she is a role model like you are and she gets up on stage with me on occasion you know when when we're doing something local or whatever and she is her story you know and she's nervous and she's shy and she's you know like all of the things that you would be um but she overcomes herself now and she would never speak before the aneurysm and she'll get up and you know i've had her up in front of 500 doctors at medical conferences telling her story and you can just see the like you know, on their faces because yeah. I tell the story first and they don't know she's sitting in the audience and then she gets up and she walks up on stage and talks. And uh, that just blows people, right, yeah. like blows their mind. And, and this is the thing. We we told over and over again when mum had a uh, cancer diagnosis, we were told, you know, within weeks she'll be gone. It's an aggressive yeah. CNS lymphoma. They put that limitation on them, one doctor after the other doctor, and there was nothing we can do and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she didn't accept that limitation. She'd come out of those appointments and just go, ha, they don't know. They don't know your people. They don't know what you know. What are we going to do, Lise? You know, like, no pressure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I, you know, I, I just uh, threw the bus at it. I, I literally, you know, went to town and threw the bus at it, and we do every single day. We fight every day, just as you do, you know, because when you have something like like cerebral palsy or brain injuries or, or cancer yeah. or whatever, you're fighting every day against something. You're pushing shit uphill, but yeah. you you just keep on going and keep on fighting, you know? Yeah. Just interrupting the show to let you know about our patron community here and the podcast at Pushing the Limits. We've been going for eight years and we really need your support to keep the show on air and free to everybody so that everyone gets this fantastic information uh, from all these great doctors, scientists, athletes, business people from all around the world. So we would love you to come and join us. You get a lot of exclusive member benefits when you do, but really it's about supporting the show and keeping it on air. And for a coffee or two a month, that it would be fantastic if you can come and join us. You can go to patron.lisatamati.com. That's patron.lisatamati.com and check it all out. I think that's that's for me, having the dream is so important because only you can see the dream, right? So yeah. And then that becomes the focus. And so when I was a teenager and becoming a teenager is gnarly, right? Oh. It's gnarly for everyone, but totally, totally. So you throw in a spice of whatever, yeah, and it becomes even more gnarly, right? Because (laughs) of the perception and because of the world we live in, where we're told that challenges are negative and all of that stuff, right? So I had, I I was going again. And cricket, everyone's getting faster, stronger, and team sports is getting a bit harder. And so I started dropping out of sport. And then I was like, man, why does my life feel not so good? And I realized because I, I, I wasn't pushing myself physically. Right? I didn't have that physical goal. And so it's so true that with a fit and healthy body comes a fit and healthy mind. But before realizing that, I got myself into a really dark hole. And I like sent quite a bit of encouragement from people that, I didn't actually know. In fact, this letter behind me is from Jeremy Wells and wow. his TV show Havoc at the time and they were 21 and in this letter, it's two pages for those who can't see it. He said, difference is a good thing, but people who count in this world look for those who are different. 
And when you've got a dream and a goal and you've got support, you're able to combine the two. But if you're just getting the support, but you don't know where you want to go, it's pretty hard to embrace that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah. Once I realized difference is a good thing, I just started realizing and thinking, well, how can I make it a good thing? And that's when I came across the Paralympics and, and no one had told me about the Paralympics as a kid. Uh, hey, <laughs> assumptions, right? They assume people must know that that's what happens. And so if you've got any kind of information, resources, experiences, you've got to pass that on to people and not assume that everyone knows and, and got, yeah, got into my sport and loved it and competed all over the world. And I was living the New Zealand dream, you know. You grow wow. up, you know, you're, you're eating your wheat bicks in the morning, seeing athletes <laughs> on the box, and you think if you if you make it in life, you've got to be an athlete, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and I, was, I was like, I love this, but I never wanted my competition in life to be determined by my cerebral palsy. Yep. That's when I started looking at speaking because speaking wasn't about living with cerebral palsy and overcoming it. It was about recognizing, as I said before, everyone has challenges, but who do you want to be in this world and what do you want to focus on and how do you just make life as awesome as it could be? Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and you've had these massive dreams. Like you, I think one of the, the key things about you is like you pick the hardest, toughest, craziest thing for anyone who hasn't got cerebral palsy. And then you go and throw cerebral palsy, you know, issues on. And then you go and do it anyway. And, and, oh, you know, yeah. like tell us about Kilimanjaro, for example. Like, I've oh, yeah, if you want to make a difference in this world, you've got to you've got to be seen. You've got to be picked up. You've got to you've got to <laughs> don't hide under a light uh, your your light under a bushel. Yeah. So with Kilimanjaro, I met up with a mutual friend of ours, Mike Allshop, and he shared um a mutual connection. And he said, "Cam, have you ever thought about climbing Kilimanjaro?" And I was like, "No, no way, man. Come on." <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't part of my bucket list. I wasn't into doing anything that was over 200 metres. You know, that's what I did <laughs> as an athlete. I was a sprinter. I did 100 and 200 metres. My my good friend, Chavinjo Pizzoni, had picked me up when we were at school and took me for a run. And, wow. And cool. he was running and I was just focusing on my survival, you know. Like, he could talk and I was like, okay, man, you do the long <laughs> stuff, I'll do the short stuff. But uh, yeah, well, he's along. <laughs> I just imagine singing uh, Africa by Toto on the top <laughs> of Kilimanjaro. <laughs> I love it. And so that became the goal. That became the vision, Lisa. That was it. It was about, it wasn't about climbing a mountain. It was about, man, I've heard about this song all my life. How yeah. cool it to be up there? And then I was like, how do I keep motivated? Because this is a goal that I've never had. It's not a sprinter. It's not speaking. This is something that's just come up on a Tuesday morning conversation. <laughs> and I've said yes to it. And, <laughs> and I know what happens before. You say yes to a lot of stuff. And then life happens, right? Yeah. And so as quickly as I said yes, I needed to make this real by contacting people 
and saying, hey, I'm going up Kilimanjaro. Do you want to come with me? <laughs> so I contacted 20 people and 19 of them said yes. And really? Given, That's yeah, insane. Yeah, 19 said yes. <laughs> Dreams Amazing. inspire people, right? Goals they do. People. They do. You know, when you're on a mission and you're enthusiastic about, some, about something, you know, I've experienced this with the ultramarathons too. People get on board. They don't know what they're in for, but they're no. like, this is cool. You know, we're on a mission and, and they do. Yeah I, yeah, I totally understand that. But you 19 out of 20 is a good strike rate. We don't need to know much about it. I just like, wow. okay, go, cool, let's do it. And so, and, and it, it, was, <laughs> it was pretty cool. It was awesome. Um, but, but that altitude and the, you know, when, and, and that's a long trek. That's, you know, days and days and There's I, I days know what altitude's two like. Days down, yeah, five like days the, up, two days down. You can't because, breathe. Because of that altitude. Yeah. You know, it's incredible. It's not, it's not long. I think it's something like you're doing about 60 kilometers total. It's just on 5,000 meters. But because of that, as you've experienced that altitude yeah. stuff, yeah. and that's what got me. So everyone, our guides were saying, Slow, you know, like mum did with the egg and spoon race, a yeah. uh, really three good race. Slow and steady, slow and steady, slow and steady. And you see all these really fit people coming past you, you know, and they were the ones who were coming back, you know, a day Didn't or make it. later. Yep. Having not made it because every single day we'd see like 32, 33 helicopters taking people off the mountain. Wow. With altitude sickness, right? Wow, that many. Wow. <laughs> I, I think if we knew that, I wouldn't have had 19 <laughs> people with me, you know? <laughs> yeah, people don't know what they're in for. Eh? I mean, altitude is brutal. Yeah. It is brutal. And if you, but you have to go really slow. I mean, that was one of the problems I had in the altitude races that I did, like Manuslu. We went around Manuslu and we were going twice as fast as what's recommended. And that's mm. twice as fast of a problem when you're going to altitude. And we ended up with uh, nine rescues out of 20. How, how many people? I think we had 20, 25, and we had nine people rescued. You know, like it was brutal. And so how did you keep, how were you not one of the nine? Oh, I was close. Yeah. So was, to be honest, because I'm an asthmatic and, uh, you know, like you, I've had limitations on, on things like cold and mountains. That's why I ran deserts because I was hopeless in the mountains. And I was like, I'm not letting that limitation stop me. I'm going to go and I always wanted to be in the Himalayas and do stuff. So I was like having to go. Um, and I've done uh, a couple of things up in the Himalayas, but this one, mm. the temperature's like minus 20 degrees and you're up at 5,800 metres, I think we got up to was the highest point over the pass. And it was brutal. I was just, I was at the edge of my my abilities. Um, and then I threw in a back injury as well. And I was on um, something called tramadol to try to yep. deal with the pain. And yep. that made me psychotic up at, up at, 5,000 plus meters. I never told that story. Actually, I was a bit of a crazy loony tune there for a while. I was trying to jump off cliffs and stuff. Because wow. <laughs> the tramadol at altitude wasn't a good combo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you, when you go up that fast, you're not recommended to go up that fast. And that other one that I did in the Himalayas and the Nepal, um, in the uh, Indian Himalayas, that was again, we were going up from 3,600 to 5.8 to 3.6 to 5.8 within 60-hour time period. So yeah. that was the the brutality of those ones was that we weren't taking the 10 days to go up. Yeah. We were just, you know, we were running up them, down them, back up there, yeah. and just, that was 
but you know like Kilimanjaro's got other gnarly things you're in the middle of Africa for starters you know middle so of Africa it's a bit like it's not a pretty mountain I mean it's a bit like climbing Ruapayu which yep. is pretty to look at but no you're having no stuff around you you know it's not like you're down in the seven Alps where you've got beautiful mountains yeah you know so with that you notice a hike quite quickly yeah and um I got to day three when my altitude sickness started to kick in wow. and I should have known it was coming because I noticed that I'd stopped I stopped drinking yeah I I noticed my headache coming on and that yeah. I should have been drinking and then all of a sudden I couldn't even speak with people without wanting to to vomit and they stuck um you know, my blood levels are okay. Yeah. Thankfully they were because I remember thinking to myself, I don't want to come back to this mountain ever again. <laughs> one chance, one opportunity. I'll never have these people with me again. Yeah. I just got to do it. And thankfully, maybe 20 minutes later, the whole group had turned around to go down a couple hundred metres to just reclimatize for yep. And then we get to base camp, we get to the camp of the final ascent, and the guides come into my room and they say, okay, everyone's leaving at 11, at 12 midnight. Yep. And I said, why, why are we doing this part at midnight? Yeah. Everything else is done at daytime. Yeah. And they said, if you saw where you had to go, you wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good reason to do it. <laughs> but as yours, you also can see the sunrise, right? So yeah. everyone's leaving at 12, but Cam, you're going to leave it at even 30 because yeah. we know this is going to be really tough on you and we want to get you out there. Yeah. And so I just said, okay, go, you know, I make people happy, I'll do it. And so I, I take to the mountain like a steam train, Lisa. I'm going <laughs> up there. My guide says, hey, 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 slow down, slow down, slow down. He says, you want to beat all your mates up here, don't you? And I say, uh, hell yeah. Right? You know, like, I've gone through my tough day. They're all here because of me. Some of them are going to experience altitude sickness tonight. I need them to know that I'm ahead of them, right? Mm-hmm. So he, he looked up and he said, Cam, beautiful full moon, beautiful moon. He said, turn off your headlight. You don't need it. And they won't be able to see where you are. <laughs> you can see where they are. Right? <laughs> it was like that game Lemmings. I just see this big line of people coming up behind me. And I ended up getting up there 45 minutes before the rest you're of You're kidding. Oh, you're you're faster than them. Faster. Even faster. I got over. I was like, guys, I, I'm freezing my ass off up here. <laughs> you know, my What are you taking degrees. you so long? <laughs> I took you so long. And that, it was just those experiences. And then coming back down and not being prepared to come down, you know, everyone was focused on you get to the top. Yeah. But you forget you've got to get home again. You forget you've got to get home. <laughs> and so you've just had your biggest release of adrenaline. Yeah. All your food's gone, all your water's gone. Yeah, you're exhausted. Yeah. And then we've still got another whole day to get down, two days yeah. to get two down. Two days. 
And oh, that was actually the challenging. That was the more challenging bit because you're you're more fatigued. You've just had a bit. You've got no goal anymore. You've got no goal. Yeah, you've done your goal, and and it's and and it's even more heartbreaking if you haven't made the top and you've got to get back down. That's even harder, I think. But at least you've you've achieved that. That, yeah. that, 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 how did it, like, I'd be interested to know, like, cause when I was up at altitude those few times that I did it, my brain wasn't working. Like, uh, I was hypoxic, you know, like I didn't have enough oxygen to the brain. So you're actually damaging your brain. Were yeah. you concerned about doing more damage, you know, like with a cerebral palsy that yeah. there was a risk of more issues after that? Because I've had issues. Uh, like, it took me a year to get over the one I did in India, like yeah. <clears throat> the hypoxic brain concussion. So someone told me about that before I left, and I was like, yeah. well, you know, mm. I, I don't, you know, it's called a conga of conga yeah. mountain, but you don't, don't want to come up. And, you don't want to be paying for it for the rest of your life, right? Mm. And so I guess um, I heard that, but I trusted my guides. I trusted yeah. the team that I was doing it with. I knew that they were going to get me up there and down there safely. And I could see that, you know, I could see how quickly they'd be sending people back down if yeah, they needed if to. They weren't up to. And yeah. I, I think that's just part of it, right? You trust the, the team you've got around you. And especially if it's something that you're not used to doing, try and build that team. And, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And people that are willing to really, you know, help you, you know, that's, that's what I think I was blessed with too, with a lot of the ultra marathons that I did, that I had amazing teams, you know, yeah. on some of them, some of them you're on your own across a bloody desert in the middle of the night, somewhere freaking the hell out. But other times you had crews and when you had crews, it was just like, well, this is easier than some of those other stuff I've done. So this has got to be, you know, and, and, and the links that some of my, uh, crew people went to in different various places was just you know mind blowing, and the respect that you have for them, um, you know because you're the one that gets the medal around your neck, but yeah, they're the yeah. ones that got you there. You know, yeah. like you realise it's a team effort. You know, it's yeah, really, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. team effort. Yeah. So that was Kelly Manjaro, and 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 like you've been Speaker of the Year. Like that, yeah. I've never been Speaker of the Year, and I've been doing it for a while. Though. I know, you're, yeah, you, you, you've been one of my idols for as long as I've been doing it, you know. <laughs> when I got into this business, and um, I'd be like, who do I who do I look up to? And everyone would be like, Lisa Tumity, you know, <laughs> jumping on your website and learning stuff and, and just um, yeah, and being inspired by a lot of people and going, man, if you can tell your story well and you can package it up in a way that's got good takeaways. So with having my speech impediment, you know, that was one of the big reasons why I could have said no. But what I did is I took all the energy that I put into my athletics, I stopped my athletics and I pivoted into the focus for my speaking. Wow. And I realized that if I knew what I was going to say, I'd have one less thing to worry about because you need to value people's time. And so how do I make sure my audience is comfortable with me? How do I make sure they're listening to me? So I'd always start off with kind of taking the piss out of myself a little bit and (laughs) and making sure people were laughing because as soon as you do that, you break down barriers, you know, just as that kid going and stepping outside the comfort zone. How are you out to? How are you? What are you out to? 
making people feel good. And it was the same recipe from a school playground mm-hmm. would be on these stages. And um I was invited to be an ambassador for a, a disability resource center, which was just a dream on a bit of paper. And it was a $4 million dream, and we needed $4 million really quick. And we realized that people were getting paid to be inspired, and if we were giving that inspiration for free, maybe they'd return the favor in the way of donations. So what we do is we'd go to someone's big fancy house, we'd invite 200 people along, we'd have all these auction items, but before the auction, I would speak for 10, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then um, people would come up to me and say, hey, Cam, can you come and do that for my school, my business, my charity? Wow. And then someone told me about bureaus in New Zealand, and I yeah. was like, wow, you mean you can actually make this kind of part of a job? Or a job? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, yeah. And so I'd contact people, and it was getting a while to get traction, and I thought, what is the difference between a lot of the people that are speaking and where I am? And I realized that a lot of the people had achieved amazing things, pinnacles, goals in real life. And what would it be like if I made my voice my pinnacle? So if I actually focused on being a speaker and learn and packaging up my life in a way that could give value to people. But I needed competition because that's what I learned as an athlete. You can only get faster if you've got the best people around you. And so I went to New York City. Oh, wow. Anyone in New York. But thanks to Nacho said, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) And I used the Kiwi Network. In fact, one of the good guys... um, a guy called Joel, and from Taranaki originally. Oh, wow. And he was their vice president at NBC Universal, which, and, and, um, and the Paramount Pictures and, and MTV and Nickelodeon. And I ended up speaking there. And I came back to New Zealand and I said, Hey, I've, I've been for Viacom. I've spoken with NBC Universal. And from really, so we went from doing like one speech a year to multiple speeches a week. Wow. Not just in New Zealand, not just in America, but all over the world. Yeah, that's amazing. And the, like the, the, how prolific you are, like how many stages you get on a year is just like, wow. You know, like in the places that you've been to and the things that you've, 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 you know, like it's pretty next level. It's pretty next level. And, uh, I know that because I've been, you know, speaking for a long time and you're at the pinnacle. Um, and, and you're very, very good at what you do. And you know what? It comes, you know, like a lot of speakers that I've heard, they sound very canned. They sound as if they've said it a hundred times. They know mm. what they're saying. And, um, it, of course, you know, to a certain degree, you have to have your, your speech prepared and things, yeah. but you've never lost that genuine when you come in the room. People know you're there and it's just this energy that you, that, uh, goes ahead of you. The enthusiasm and the energy and the intent is louder than your words, even, you know, yeah. when you get up on stage, it's like, and here I am and I'm happy. You're like, you just, you just blow it out because of that enthusiasm. That enthusiasm mm. just comes over and how do you maintain that? How do you maintain that through life in general now? Like not just on the stages, but 
yeah. you know, because, you know, we all go through shit and we all have horrible things happen to us. And we've, you know, how do you get up in the morning when stuff is not going right and, and put on that amazing, powerful personality that you are? Yeah. Because you're right. Things, life is up and down, swings around about. And you remind yourself of our stories as well. So you remind you when it's not going so well. And one of the greatest privileges that we have as speakers is we give the opportunity to stop and reflect on our life yep. to the degree that a lot of people don't because a lot of people are waking up focused on today, tomorrow, and maybe they've got ambition. But not many people are stopping to go, hey, what happened when I was five and I was learning to tie my shoelaces? <laughs> you know, not many yeah. people have built a story around that, and that's where our resilience comes from. And so, what? I, what? I, so, I, I have that. So, that's why I encourage everyone to take time to really reflect on what's got me to where I am. What are you know, what those breakups that I've had in the past that make me realize that I am resilient now? What are those moments of hardships I've experienced that prove that? I can give her this hardship too. Wow. And then another thing I do is I mean, you've got, I had a school principal once and he'd say, talk to me when you're sad, but don't forget to talk with me when you're happy. <laughs> Love it. Because when we hear what people enjoy and what makes them feel good, then we know how to, uh, how to give them more of that, right? And we know how to unite. So I'll often wake up and I'll send a message people that I have a message for a while saying, hey, you're awesome. How are you doing? How are you feeling? What's going on? I love you. And <laughs> so they're going to respond with something very similar. I love you too, Cam. Thank you. <laughs> you are, man. Yeah. And so I have that. And then I make sure I, you know, even before this, I, 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 I didn't go for a walk. I didn't get to the gym. But I made sure I opened my, my window in my office and stuck my head out and just breathing that fresh air, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And just just being in the moment, eh, and being in, in, you know, getting outside or getting a moment of, you know, like this is the thing with you, I think, Cam, is that you haven't let the, the, the resilience, that word resilience, which is yeah. used a lot now, um, but when you're hit down and you're pushed down, you have learned because of the struggles that you had early on that you you just have to get back up again the next day and go again and go again and go again. And that sets you up. And I think a lot of our youngsters now are not learning resilience. They're not learning to fail. They're not learning to have to overcome. And when we when we molly coddle our kids and we wrap them in cotton wool and we don't let anything bad happen to them and we don't let them learn and make mistakes and, you know, run into a few brick walls, albeit we try to do it, you know, to sort of keep them physically safe, but yeah. pushing the limits of, of those types of things and learning to fail early and get back up again is something if we, if we take away from them that mm. then when something happens, you know, in teenage years or, you know, something like like, like COVID and the lockdowns, man, yep. that, that just absolutely yep. annihilated it. Yep. Yeah, so many people. Um, and if we don't have that, well, I've been through worship before, I'll get through this too somehow. Yep. 
then we've stolen a piece of of that, you know? Like it's really important that kids learn the hard way. And even with, you know, when I'm working with mum and people are looking at, if you just look at me and the way I operate with her, if you followed me around for a day, you would think, oh, my God, what a bitch. You know, like she just makes her mum do all these hard things. She won't help her up out of the chair. She doesn't, you know, help her change. You know, like she she sits there and watches her and embarks orders. If I don't let her struggle, if I don't let her brain work it out what muscles to use to engage, to stand up, then she will never walk. She would never have gotten out of that wheelchair. But because I just, I had the, that tough love um, thing, and I still do it every single day. And people are like, man, why don't you give your mum a rest? And I'm like, because to rest is to die. Yeah. To rest and a person with the situation that she is in and the stuff that she's got going on in her brain, for her to sit down all day and do nothing is the end, you know? Yeah. And if I left her for two weeks, she would be in a, she would, she would be in a wheelchair and it would be all downhill from there. Yeah. So I don't let up ever. And, and, and it's really hard because I have to be that relentless motivator. I have to push and pull and really struggle. And I get a lot of flack from other people just like, why don't you just let her have that piece of cake? Why mm. don't you let her get up, you know, help her, help her get up or help her do this and, and that? And why are you so so tough? And it's like, because I love her. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want her to, to, to decline. And she cooperates, you know, like if she said no, then that would be no. Yeah. But she knows. She knows underneath. She'll moan a little bit. <laughs> but but it's the whole thing where if it was easy, everyone would be doing it, right? And, yeah. <laughs> and so you look at that in terms of goals and dreams of ambitions, but you also look at that in terms of life. And that there's a lot of people in your mum's situation that are not where your mum is because that, that, that's way too hard to do that. And so you, no one, no one else gets to write the story of your life or give a speech of your life. And you, we've got to be the people that do that. And so we've got to have those dreams that are true to us. We've, you know, and that's when I'm with young people. Your goal isn't what your mum wants you to do. It's not what dad wants you to do. It's not what your mate's doing. It's that thing that ignites you. It's that thing that you're going to believe in more than anyone else because no one else knows what you're – no one knows that Tam is going to plan to go off to New York when no one's telling him he can't speak, right? But no one – no one could take that away from me. And that's where things happen. And I meet parents – and they say, yeah, I've, I've, I've wrapped my kid up in too much cotton wool. He's got a funky arm. I didn't realize he could drive. I was like, dude, you've got a, you've, I know your kid wasn't born how you were expecting that kid to be born, but your life can still be incredible. And you've got to teach people that falling down about one little step is okay because you know, we alluded to it earlier. If you don't have those falls, what happens when you fall off a cliff, you know? Mm. 
Yeah, you, you've got to build your strength. You've got to build that resilience. And, and some kids, a lot of kids of all abilities aren't given that. They're not going up tree houses. They're not, I'm, I'm so fortunate for being a kid in the 1980s and 90s. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I do think life was easier. Yeah, 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 it was. <laughs> and, and me too, I was born in the 70s and it was just a beautiful childhood. We were out all day. Parents didn't even know where we were half the time. We were, you know, yeah. fishing, climbing trees, getting yeah. into trouble, you know, doing all the stuff that kids should be doing. Yeah. You know? And it's just, yeah, I wish that for for this generation too, I without do. bloody phones and everything that, they, they um. you know, we have to be stuck to. Um, I, I've, I've got a, 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 girl, a lady, I should say a lady here who, um, Erica Perry, um, and Erica was born, um, I've forgotten the name of her actual, um, syndrome that she has, but she has very short arms and, um, a lot of, you know, disabilities and, and, um, facial, um, differences and so on. And she is the most amazing woman. Like she just, she's just like you. She just, I'm not, you know, I'm not having any of these limitations and she's made herself to go forward out to, to talk to people and to, to get out of her comfort zone and to do speaking and to do, we, we, uh, you know, this is a, a few years ago now, but I helped her train up for a 10K and then a half marathon. Yeah, cool. You yeah, know, yeah. Like, and she did it and like, it was, it was tough, man. Like, you know, really brutally tough. And not that she wants to do that every year. But um, she did it, and she got fitter, and she lost weight, and she felt powerful, and she felt strong, and it was an incredible experience for me to, to you know, uh, witness. And and her tenacity, absolutely mind blowing. You know, yeah. like where other people would would hide in a corner, and you know, when Erica comes in the room, you know, Erica's there. She's yeah. not shy. She's not like you know, I don't look like everybody else, or. My, I've only got two fingers on my arms or, you know, whatever yeah. the case is. She's, she's just out there doing it. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> finds, yeah. you know, finds a way to get through things. And I totally admire her. I think she's just epic, you know, yeah. just absolutely amazing. And those are the people that are my role models. Yeah. No, like those are the people that I look up to because then, you know, when you look at, you have your moan about your day, you know, like we all do. And then you're like, yeah, get over yourself. <laughs> yeah, perspective, eh? Uh, yeah, perspective, perspective is power. Yeah. Um, um, I love that. Perspective more, is power. The more we can do to gain perspective, the better. And so people will also complain about stuff like social media. But to a degree, you can also choose who you're listening to, who you're watching, who you're following, how and how awesome is that. But again, is realizing I think we can be a lot more um a lot more in control of design of our life than we're taught to believe or lead to believe. But how do you bring the discipline every day that's required to overcome the limit you know, the limitations, it's not the word I want, the 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 issues that you have. How do you, you know, because you have to train harder, you have to go it's harder for yeah. you to speak. It's yeah. harder for you to walk. How how do you bring that discipline of an athlete? And is it because you've been an athlete now for so long that that's part of your I've psyche? Been, you know, I've been been an athlete when I was in my development, teenage, early twenties, you know, and it was full time. So 
I often say to my mates, how come, like, we we go to co- coffee shops on a Saturday rather than, you know, not, I thought that was a normal thing for teenagers to do. And then I realised that teenagers weren't waking up until midday because wow. we'd, we'd be training at 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning, which meant yep. we weren't going to the parties the night before, but yeah. I also made sure that I wanted my training to be something that was inspiring me. So I went out and found the best athletes of the time, people like Donald McDonald and James Mortimer and James Dolphin, and that's who I trained with because I wanted wow. to be surrounded by people that were the best of the best. We're not talking about the best of cerebral palsy, but people who had woken up and gone, I want to be the best athlete. Because that's who you've got to learn from. And so when I have sticky situations with my speaking or my momentum to go on and speak, I, 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 I learn from other speakers and I look at what they've done and I remind myself that this, there's beauty in creating your own story. Yeah. And do you fear? You know, like mistakes and failing, and you know how how did, how was your attitude to that when you when you don't do so well, or you know? Yeah, I um I'm really tough on myself. There's another thing, you know, I, I don't make excuses, and so I'll I'll be like I'll finish a talk and I'll be reviewing that talk for the whole drive home, and and. And this is where that energy comes from that you mentioned about, you know, you're delivering a speech so often, but you're always looking at how to fine, fine tune it. And so when things don't go well, who do I have to talk to? Who do, am I looking after myself? Oh, sure. I haven't been to a gym for a week. Maybe that's partly why I'm not feeling good and why I'm not performing to the best of my ability. Yeah. I, I didn't have breakfast. Oh, I'm not eating right. You know, and all these things, but you've got to have a discipline. And so, and again, that's why my whole thing is dream big, achieve more because in having those big dreams, that's when you'll go, okay, I need to be sleeping as well as I can, eating as well as I can, getting fitness, but but not being not being tough on yourself if you slip up from time to time. Yeah. So it's a mixture of um not beating yourself up, but analyzing where how you did and analyzing yourself on. real hard. Like yeah. real hard. Like I'll be way harder on myself than anyone else will be because for me there's no excuses. And and that's the other thing. We can't you can't live life thinking I've got an excuse. My my favorite days of training were those days where it was raining, hailing. Yeah. Cold. <laughs> I love those days because if you can give through that day, you can give through anything. And yeah, yeah. who knows? It may well be like that on the day of competition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That that is just so that is that is so true. I mean, Cam, I think you're a, a total inspiration because of you know just your attitude and the way that you get up and you show up in the world. And I, I hope that people listening to this, you know, walk away with a like. We should get your own shit together <laughs> and, and, and push yourself outside your comfort zone and take on big challenges and have a vision because when you have a vision of where you're going, you know, in my case with ultra marathons, 
uh, you know, I'd take on the biggest, scariest races. I would have no idea how I was going to get there. I was also not a very good athlete, very below average, you know, asthmatic, couldn't do, broke my back. Yeah. You know, I had a million reasons why I shouldn't be doing what I did. And I'd just take, take on the challenge and then work it out along the way. And sometimes yeah. I fell on my face, you know, yeah. like big time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's part of it, isn't it? That's part of So I spoke with Main Fate a few years ago, and they gave me a book, and the title of the book is Ready, Fire, Aim. And, I, <laughs> and the two words, fire and aim, are often what I reflect on. Like, <laughs> and we're going to be trying so often to get something perfect before we do it. Yeah. What about just doing it and then making it perfect as you go? I love and that. If you've got that yep. desire to be perfect, if you, you know, people go, oh, you can't be perfect. No, but you can be the best living version of, best version of yourself that you can be, right? Yep. And for me, that's perfect. And so that best version is what you see yourself being, but you will not get there if you're thinking, I'm not ready to go right yep. now. I yep. haven't quite got my streets perfect as a voice well yeah just 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 go just go just go you know just interrupting the show to let you know about my longevity and anti-aging supplement range i'd love you to go and check it out go to my website lisatarmity.com and hit the shop button and you'll see a curated range of supplements the latest in anti-aging longevity health optimization performance optimization i've gone out into the world interviewed the most amazing doctors and scientists as you'll know if you follow the show and gone and got some of the best products that are out there stuff that i give to my family that's what's in my range so go and check it out at lisatarmity.com all the best parts of my life i only just realized this the other day all the best parts of my life have but come from just going. So school athletics came because next week was to school athletics day and you've got to pick your name down, right? Your name's down, you're you can't get out of that. <laughs> um, build, raising money to build, yes, yeah, cool, we'll do it. And on the day that we went into the ASB Trust to ask them for $1 million, Bloody hell. beautiful presentation, and our PowerPoint we had in charge the computer, right? So we get to the we get there and we've got no presentation. And we've got we've got a board. It takes you a year to get in front of this board. And oh, no. we got there and I just spoke. I wow. just spoke. And it was the first standing ovation we I ever got. First wow. standing ovation I ever got. And it was the only standing ovation where I got a million bucks because wow. of that, right? It's amazing. And, and so it was trusting your story, trusting that your life is your message. And again, it was just shooting and aiming. Shame with Kilimanjaro and shame with when I decided to be a full-time speaker. I've been doing this full-time now for eight years and I set up Cam Calgoon Limited 12 years ago, maybe more now, can't quite remember and it was the same thing. It was about going, this is the focus. So on day one, which was the 1st of January, eight, nine years ago, I had no other job. Nothing wow. else. I'd given myself six months to segue out of the job I had 
to being a full-time speaker. And then those six months, I'd drive around Auckland and I'd look high and I'd look and I'd read all the expensive magazines and all the names I saw. I'd write them all down because they would be my clients one day, right? Wow. And then I just made sure that I called 20 people a week. I sent out 40 emails a week and I did that. I had an office. I had a place that I I needed an office that wasn't home because I needed to be there from seven till seven, twelve hours just going, how do we make this? How do we make this happen? I'd made seventy thousand dollars was the best I'd ever made in my job before. Not maybe not even maybe more like sixty. So yeah. I realized that all I had to do to realize I could make my speaking work was make sixty thousand dollars or more. And I I, I needed I needed to let the world know that I was a speaker, and it was simple numbers. If I could do, if I could do sixty speeches at a thousand dollars a speech, I would make what I've made and what was my original job. And so that's how you know. That's how you started. You go. That's how I got started. It was. I'd be going up to other speakers, and I'd be like, "Oh, we don't get out of bed for least than seven thousand dollars." And then in the years to come, I'd be like, "How are you so busy, Cam?" Yeah, it was because I'd get out of bed, I'd do it, and then it became math. So I was like, "Well, if it was a thousand dollars a speech, next year I can make it two thousand dollars a speech, and if I still do sixty speeches, I've doubled it." And then the year after, three and four and we just built it up, right? And that was just in a big, but it came through that resilience, pushing the limits, talking with people. Absolutely. This is just incredible. I can just doing it. From so, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? You've got, which I don't have so much, is focus. You know, like I end up doing 10 businesses and running oh. around like a blue ass fly, and you focused mm. on one thing. And that's, uh, it done it to the nth, nth degree. Um, and you know, not to say that that's the only way, like, you know, I think there's, there's advantages to having a bit of ADHD. <laughs> well, and you need it. I mean, I'm over, I'm so visual, visual, what's got me to where I am now, but where I am right now is I need to be flying around like a blue eyes fly yeah. to discover what's next, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I've done one thing really well. Yeah. But there's not, there's a, there's a future there as long as I do what I do really, really well, which is but what's next for Cam? But what's next? How we'll talk. do you impact <laughs> hundreds of thousands of people a year yeah. and make sure that in the years to come, I've got something to support me, right? So what yeah. is the bigger picture now look like? And you only get there going, yeah, I'm going to drive, you know, someone should drive to Link of New Zealand and speak at every school that you can speak at this yeah. summer. Okay, cool. So we're working on making that happen, right? I spoke with someone who was running incentives and workshops. So, okay, how do we start looking at making these things happen now? Yeah. yeah. We got, we'll, we'll talk off the air. Young people with I've disabilities that need yeah. this stuff. How <laughs> do I now package up this experience for Wow. Me? So, yeah. Yeah, and there's just so many levels. Cam, you've been absolutely wonderful today. I'll, we'll, we'll definitely talk off air about all that stuff because, yeah, yeah. definitely there's more to come. 
but you're just an inspiration. Thanks so much for sharing your story with with the community today. And I hope that everybody's uh, going to pull their britches up and <laughs> be a bit more like awesome Cam Calcohen. Thank you so much, Awesome. Cam. Thank you, guys. Thank you. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review, and share with your friends. Head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatamati.com.